What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and we have a really exciting show for you. So now that we're getting into preseason, there are going to be a lot of cuts going on uh, in the NFL, and a lot of players who expected to play football for their entire lives are going to come to the realization that maybe this was their, their last shot or their last chance. And that question turns into, okay, now what next? And so today, I'm excited to be here with somebody who uh, has had to answer that question and is doing a pretty good job of it. Jeremiah Allison, former linebacker for the Washington State Cougars. Jeremiah, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Doing, doing just fine. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, thanks for coming on. First things first, what got you into the sport of football? Oh, well, I, first it was one of those things where I seen my little cousin. I, I had moved from Minneapolis to Los Angeles when I was six. When I was six, I seen my little cousin playing the game, um, playing football, soccer football, his playoff game. And then the next year, I'm like, I want to play. And um, that next year, I went out for the football team when I was seven years old, full tackle, full pads, and just fell in love with the game ever since then. So I've been playing. I had been playing for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned you moved from uh, you know, Minneapolis to L.A. What was that transition like? Because it's obviously, it, it appears, you know, two different cultures from, from that standpoint, just thinking, you know, especially geographic locations in the United States. What was that transition like? Literally, it was like night and day. Uh, Minneapolis, although it has some type of speed, L.A. just runs laps around uh, uh, Minneapolis as far as speed-wise. Um, literally, I had to adapt on the fly. Um, I was a uh, part of the LAUSD. Uh, as far as, you know, my schooling. And I had to definitely um, come up with some type of game plan to make sure I I didn't fall behind, not more so in school, but just the way of life. Um, That that saying, if you could survive in L.A., LA, you could survive anywhere, that's a true statement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and growing up, you, I mean, you obviously were a very smart, smart guy, you know, graduating, is it college or high school with a a 4.3? Um, that, that was that was high school. High school, okay. Graduating high school with a four point three, was there was it just the drive that came from within you to do well in school, or was there outside forces that were pushing you to be your best? Well, I mean, it, it was a combination of all things. Like it's the first thing I would say it was uh, my mother. Um, she was definitely a huge influence on uh, pushing education. The second thing was uh, sports. Uh, you had to have good grades to play football. And the third thing was, I think at a young age, uh, I was always a business savvy mind type person. Mm-hmm. And I got I got straight A's one year, and uh, when I was in sixth grade, and I got paid. I got twenty dollars for each A. Oh, nice. So I'm nice. like, oh, I get I get paid for grades. Okay, well, let's see if <laughs> I keep this thing. <laughs> I keep this thing going and. After a while, it just became a competition with myself. So it was a combination of all three of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and as you moved further further in your career, uh, you eventually went to play uh, football at Dorsey High School, which is a pretty um, pretty well-known high school. Uh, and you, you did really well, extremely well. What was that like, you know, racking up? You have multiple seasons of, of 20 sacks. What was that like being able to dominate at the high school level, just playing, playing uh- a game that you loved? Yeah, I mean, it was fun, you know. It, the game was really fun to me, and I was always working on my craft. And I had a coach by the name of Lonnie Pumphrey. Uh, we also called him Coach Tex. He said, if you're not going to go 100% and try to be the best to, to, to lace them up, why even play? So I always had the mentality of if, if I'm not working, someone else is getting better than me. Mm-hmm. So um, that was always my mentality and my approach to the game, and I took the game and my craft very seriously. 
Was there a, a certain player that you tried to model your game after, or were you just trying to be the best Jeremiah Allison out there? Um, yes and no. I mean, I wanted to be the best me that I could be. Um, I, I never wanted to follow in a, another person's footstep. However, mm-hmm. I love to take I love to take uh, certain um, mind frames from from certain players. So, like Ray Lewis, he would always say. You can't confine. You can't find anyone who consecutively beat me to the ball every play, mm-hmm. or like a person like you know Sean Marion, Sean Merriman. You know his his energy and passion. Michael Strahan, uh, Reggie White, all those great defensive ends that played the game. Um, I always wanted to take something from their game and uh, apply it to mine. At what at what year in high school were the offers from D one colleges starting to come in? Uh, actually, it happened the end of my junior year. That's okay. when I, 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 my offer started to come in. And my first offer, believe it or not, was from UCLA. Um, I used to be on campus all the time, a part of this uh, VIPS, like, upper bound program. Mm-hmm. And one day, Coach uh, Rick Neuheisel called me, and we were talking on the phone. And it was kind of awkward because uh, I didn't know whether I, I got an offer. He was just calling me to say hello. And I asked him at the end of the at the end of the call, like, so does that mean I have an offer? He said, yes, Jeremiah, you have an offer. <laughs> and I remember I remember hanging up the phone and jumping for joy because what that means for me is I don't have to, my, me or my family, doesn't have, we don't have to pay for our education, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's awesome. And so what what was that like? What was that recruiting process like? Were there uh, were there a lot of schools that were, were coming to talk to you? Because obviously, very talented linebacker, ranked uh, 40th outside linebacker prospect nationally uh, in the three-star overall. Were there a lot of calls coming in? Or who, who were you talking to about potentially going to play for college? Um, so I was, you know, I started off, uh, so UCLA was one. Um, Yale, they offered me, Yale and Princeton, actually. Okay. Um, San Jose State, Nevada, Boise State, Arizona, Arizona State, University of Washington, um, Washington State, of course. It was it was it was a lot of schools. So I mean, I did the U- USC camp, and uh, Lane Kiffin uh, was showing interest, and then I had Duke. Um, so I had a lot of a lot of schools coming to talk to me. However, I knew I wanted to play in the Pac twelve at the time. Okay, was there a specific reason why the Pac twelve had an, an interest in your heart? Yeah, so I had multiple offers from all around the country, and I know I wanted to play in the Pac-12 because, I mean, I grew up watching, you know, the Reggie Bushes and mm-hmm. Matt Leinerts and Lindell White's doing their thing, and um, it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, like, I know I want to play in the Pac-12, and I thought I was going to go to Oregon because I had a, a my guy brother went to Oregon, Jeremiah Johnson, okay, and then that was like the school to go to. I mean, DeAnthony Thomas went to Oregon, yeah, um, and I played against him multiple years in high school, so... But once I uh, once I start to boil everything down, I know I want to either go to Stanford, um, Washington State, or uh, UCLA. Got it. Okay. And you mentioned you played against D'Anthony Thomas um, in in high school. Were there any other notable guys that you got to line up against, and what was that like playing oh, them? Absolutely. My junior year, there were literally twenty D one players on the field at one time <laughs> oh, when man. we when we played when we played uh, Crenshaw that year. So. I mean, it was from Dorsey. It was me, Jadon Mickens. Uh, it was Robert Haran, Cleshawn Page. Uh, one with Wyoming, one with the Boise State. Um, then you had um, on Crenshaw's side, there was Greg Decree, Hayes Villar, Marcus Martin, DeAnthony Thomas, Jeffrey Norwood, um, Junior Alexis. I mean, Gino Hall, he was a great player. 
So there was a lot, there was a ton of talent mm-hmm. um, on that field at one time. And, um, I mean, just to see what they're doing now. I mean, we have Marvin Hall as well. He he actually is in the league right now with the Chicago Bears. So we had okay. a lot of D1 talent along with NFL talent that was on the field at one time. So that Crenshaw-Dorsey rivalry game, in my opinion, is the best rivalry uh, game in all of uh, high school football. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, yeah, that that's awesome. Uh, and obviously, now I know I go to school in Walla Walla, which we talked about a little bit beforehand. Pullman isn't exactly uh, a thriving metropolis in any sense of the word. Um, obviously, a different change of pace from L.A. What drew you to going to play for the Cougars? Um, it was actually Coach Leach. Um, okay. Coach Leach and Coach Simmons. So what happened was actually my uh, – I got the le- I got to school late one day, um, and it's, it was December fourteenth, and it's actually on a show I was on called Undrafted. I actually laid out the entire uh, situation in detail, but I was late to school one day, and I had met um, Coach Simmons in the hallway, and he was like, "Jeremiah, I want to get you on a visit." And I'm like, "Where?" He was like, "I want to go. I want you to. I'm a, a receiver coach at, at Washington State." And I'm like, "All right, like you know, whatever you want to you know do, I'll, I'll, I'll go, but I'm kind of late to class." <laughs> And, um, literally he, um, I, I penciled in a visit and then unfortunately later that day, my mom, she actually had a heart attack and it's one of those things where I think everything happens for a reason and nothing's really coincidental. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there when, you know, my, I, I, I spoke to my mom last, um, also coach Leach brought his entire coaching staff down to Dorsey to sit in the um, room and talk to me and tell me about what the school had to offer and their history of coaching and, why they felt that I would be a good fit at Washington State. And I think the last reason was uh, we all know that Washington State was everyone's homecoming game. Uh, Everyone wanted to play Washington State for their homecoming. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to change the culture at Washington State. And, I mean, as you can look now, like we were ranked, what, number 10? And then, well, what, seven? Seven in the nation last Mm -hmm. year. So with that being said, it is one of those things where we went from being, before I got there, two and two and ten to – 11 and 2 this year. That's a, definitely a huge improvement and a, a huge testament of what Coach Leach wanted to do with the program. Mm, yeah, and, and we'll, let's touch back on, on Washington State in just a little bit, but I want to talk about your mom just for uh, a couple minutes here. Was So was this something, you know, was it just out of the blue and did it did it affect your recruiting process at all? Obviously knowing that, you know, she had that heart attack and, and she wasn't doing well health-wise, um, was it tough for you to, to, you know, leave and go all the way up to Washington? Absolutely. Well, I mean, the thing about it was, man, like December 14th, she had a heart attack, and I was actually picked to play in the uh, Marine All-America game. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where I went down to Arizona, and we had tons of talent on that team as well. I mean, Todd Gurley was on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a, few t- uh, a few more big names uh, from, from that 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 all-star game was on that team. But what happened was I realized my mom, she wasn't in the stands and she had never missed the game since I was seven years old. So um, it was definitely something to get used to. However, I was able to see her every single day, uh, my second semester of my senior year. And it was one of those things where Coach Leach and also the late President Floyd, who was at Washington State, they say, you know, you come here, you know, we'll definitely look out for you and make sure the transition is easy um, for, you know, you leaving LA coming here. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, five days before my first game against BYU, we found out that my mom had passed away on August 23rd. 
So it was just one of those things where literally everybody rallied around me and made they, they consulted me and told me that things were going to be okay. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it was was it was it easy to to leave? Um, no, however, it was one of those things where I knew in the long run it would be best for me. And I mean it's one of those things where coops look out for coops no matter what, and mm-hmm. that family feel is 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 definitely uh, prevalent in everything. So yeah, yeah, no, that that's awesome. And do you mind just talking a little bit about? Um, the impact, the impact that your mom had on you as a person, and as you developed into, you know, what eventually was a high-ranking scholar and a high-ranking football player. Um, well, I mean, she sacrificed a lot for us. Um, I mean, she was a single parent. Um, she raised my older sister and my younger brother uh, by herself, and I mean, it, it was one of those things where we knew that we didn't have it all, but we knew that she was going to make sure we didn't go without. Um, she instilled in us, you know, the, the, the importance of hard work and determination kept us grounded in the church. And, uh, you know, she gave us uh, nuggets along the way to make sure that we'd be successful after she actually leaves the earth. So uh, for someone who's so strong and diligent in raising her kids in the inner city of Los Angeles and making sure that we uh, continue to be uh, prosperous in everything we do, uh, speaks volumes to the type of woman that she was, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and this past year, you started up the Allison Hope Foundation. Um, and, and I on, did. Mm-hmm, in honor of your mother. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what the Allison Hope Foundation is and what you hope to accomplish through it? Absolutely. So the Allison Hope Foundation is the uh, Allison Helping Others. Well, Hope is the acronym for Helping Others Pursue Excellence. And the, the goal with the foundation is just to give back. Um, after my mom passed, I, uh, I everything I had did, I always put the post uh, or the, the hashtag, keep it going. Mm-hmm. And the reason I put that hashtag is because I want to make sure that I keep her legacy going. And it's just to keep on going down the path that I was going um, and not allow uh, adversity to uh, change uh, my wind of, uh, of sale that I was going down. So... Uh, I remember my, my valedictorian speech, I said, when adversity hit there, well, salutatorian speech, rather, I said that there's two, there's, when adversity hit, there's two type of people. They use adversity as a crutch to say why they can't do something, or mm-hmm. you have those who use adversity as fuel to propel them to the next level, uh, to what they want to do in life. And I was one of those people that use it as fuel. So with the foundation, what I want to do is continue giving back to the community, especially those high school students who's going on to college and have faced adversity and have continued to be a a pillar in their community, um, doing phenomenal things and trying to make a difference in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's really awesome. What you, what you've been doing. Um, and, and what I've read up on it, it's really cool to be able to propel, you know, your standing as a a former D one athlete into something this awesome, which is, which is really cool. Uh, mm -hmm. so talking about Washington state here a little bit, um, one of the first things that comes to mind when many people think of Mike Leach is, you know, the classic air raid offense. What did he have to say to you in order to, uh, you know, kind of convince you that from a defensive standpoint that, you know, you were valuable to the team? For those who know Coach Leach, like actually know him, they know he doesn't talk about football at all. Um, what captured me is the fact that he graduated from Pepperdine and uh, from, from law school, Pepperdine Law. And he knew that I was very interested in going to law school after my playing days was over. Um, the football was just icing on the cake. Um, okay. And then also, like, 
I knew that, I mean, another thing was we had nine guys from LA who committed to that class um, of 2012 and was going to play at Washington State. So I knew what Coach Leach's vision was, um, and I just wanted to be a part of uh, something magical, and I got a chance to do that. So as far as, like, football and, and, and what the defense can bring to the table, I knew those things were just going to fall in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once we got Coach Grinch, um, literally it was like night and day, and I loved every moment of it. Yeah, no, that's that's really awesome, actually. I didn't, you know, I didn't even know about the whole Pepperdine Law thing, but that's really cool how – he was able to tie that in into um, talking to you about coming here. Another thing, and obviously people that have heard of Mike Leach know that he is notorious for uh, being highly quotable, I think is the best way to put it, um, mm-hmm. and just his conversations with the media, what he's able to do. I mean, thinking back last year, putting on the Gardner Minshew mustache mid, mid-interview, mid <laughs> um, what's your favorite quote from him, or what's your favorite story that he's ever told, or just your favorite Mike Leach moment? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot. There's some that Definitely, you can yeah. tell, and some that you can't tell. I mean, I guess <laughs> the, the one that <laughs> I think the one that I, I, I well, not even the story, but like the quote that I enjoy the most is to respect everyone and to fear no one. And this, how that came about was we actually lost in Nevada my junior year, and we had, and then the, one of the Nevada players was saying like, we don't have all the bells and whistles and the visors and the band and stuff like that. We just come punch the clock, and that's how we beat. Washington State and Coach Leach was livid. So that that day, that same day, that that night after practice, he said, "You know what? No more visors, no more this, no more that." And then he said, "I want to assign in our our uh, team meeting room that says respect everyone, fear no one.'" And the next day it was up. So I think that's one <laughs> that that's one of the things that. Um, continues to be prevalent in my life uh, is to, you know, respect everyone. I always give respect and, and, and value of those who, you know, who, who may be opponents or whatever the case may be. But, I mean, by no means necessary, don't ever fear anybody because they breathe the same air that you breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so, obviously, like you said, a massive turnaround for uh, the Cougars program just from top to bottom all the way. Um what was your so you we were talking about this a little bit earlier. What did you say your first start was? Was that in twenty fourteen? Was that your first game it that was, you started? Yes. Yeah, so, so I play. I spot played throughout the season. My sophomore, my freshman and sophomore year, I mm-hmm. spot played. Went in on a few packages, but I contributed majority majority to special teams. Okay. My first start was against number two Oregon. Um, Coach Leach just uh, pulled the trigger and said, "I want just like Jeremiah has to be on the field," and Coach Wilson agreed. And next thing you know. I was on the field, and I remember um, heading to the game. Literally, I um, almost threw up like twice. Um, and then when I put my when I put my mouthpiece in, it seemed like my mouthpiece was too big. And it was one of those things where everybody around me was like, "Just be, you know, just be cool. Like act like you've been here before." I'm looking at like, "Yo, I haven't been here before." And this is like Oregon, number two in the country. Like Mariota was rolling. And if you remember that game, we all we should have won that game. I think it was a call that that went the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was one of those things where that's when I realized I could play at this level every single snap. And literally once after that game, I had like 13 tackles. I didn't look back mm-hmm. and um, I just became that player ever since then. Yeah, no, that, that was awesome. I, we were talking before uh, we started the conversation. So I was actually at that Oregon game, his first start, which I didn't know about, but you know, just kind of a cool little coincidental thing. And then also 
Um, the one that I really want to talk about is that uh, Stanford game, which I was also right. uh, lucky to be a part of. Um, right. You know, going into, like you said, you played number two Oregon, and then Stanford, I think, was ranked eighth at that time um, going into it. And, you know, this game was on ESPN on national TV. Um, obviously, a lot right. of excitement. Was this, so you, like you said, you didn't look back. So were the nerves just, were they gone? Where you, you're just like, you know what, I'm just out here to play football? Or was, were you still Yeah, no, this, this one, this one, this one was, um, one, it was personal. And two, um, I mean, I had been in big games before, so it wasn't um, as, as, uh, I guess, nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's one of those things where I kind of felt disrespect. The team actually felt disrespected, to be honest with you, because college game day chose to go to Temple opposed to come to us mm-hmm. yeah. and it was and then also it was like a halloween game so all the kids had left or something like that it was something where all the students had left yeah and it was as, if you remember correctly it was a misty game it was raining and literally like i love preparing for stanford because like we know we're gonna get it. um it's gonna be smash mouth football um not a lot of thinking it's it's, it's me versus you mm-hmm. or us versus them so with that being said um we knew our responsibility. We knew what we had to do. We just knew we had to contain Christian McCaffrey, which we did. He only had 33 yards, which was the lowest amount of yards he had all season. But, um, you know, it was that that long run by Hogan that, that you know, kind of shook us. But other than that, like, we did everything we were supposed to do to win that game. It just the ball just didn't bounce our way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I remember watching, and I mean, going into it, obviously McCaffrey was on Heisman watch. You know, one of the one of the best players in the country by far. And then you're just watching every play, and it seems like you guys just weren't letting him get through. And I mean, it was really cool. Oh to yeah, see. We were, yeah, like absolutely. We were trying. Listen, I know me personally, I was trying to literally break him um, <laughs> because, like, it's one of those things. McCaffrey is everything what the media says about him. Um, mm. He's not a player who like, oh, he's only good against certain teams. Like, no, he is legit in my hat. Is off to him. Like he's a phenomenal player, and I, 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 I'm just lucky that I had a chance to one play against him, two, um, get a chance to you know actually tackle him. So <laughs> he's definitely he's definitely what the media says about him. So every time I I got a chance to hit him, I tried to throw everything into it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's honestly that's a something that not a lot of people can say. Being able to tackle Christian McCaffrey, um, right? Mm-hmm. Ask Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. So. You know, obviously playing great through that entire game, uh, only down to the final drive. Luke Folt gets you in great position. Uh, and then can you kind of walk me through? So they're down to setting up for a field goal. You know, this is as time expires. Can you walk me through what you were thinking as you're watching this kick and, and, and what happened there? Well, it's one of those things where I was on the far side. I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not very superstitious. Mm-hmm. But I mean, sometimes I just try to like maybe maybe this does work. So I remember I was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look at the kick, and I'm like, I am gonna look at the kick, and I'm like, I'm not gonna look at the kick, and then I looked at the kick, and then I didn't look at the kick, and then it, it went up, and I seen people I seen people cheering, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden I looked, and it went far uh, wide right, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then it was like after I did the, the 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 press conference at the end, I'm like, well, you know, like I. I know he's supposed to have a job to make that kick, but he was perfect the entire night. Um, just, you know, sometimes the ball don't bounce your way, but I would have loved to win that game. I'm sure the team would have because that would have kind of cemented our, our game and the, our position in the Pac-12 championship game. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was an awesome game to watch. I mean, I was telling you beforehand, we were sitting 
um, on that far right side, about like the 30 yard line or so. So at first it looked like it went in cause you know, we couldn't see. And so, uh, everyone was on our side was cheering cause, and then the air out of the crowd was just gone just because, you right. know, we kind of realized at that point that, that it had missed, which is, you know, disappointing, but still an awesome game to watch. One of my favorites, even though it didn't end the way we wanted it to, um, really exciting just to, you know, watch you guys play so well and be in that position to win. Uh, right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so you guys, you guys kept building, obviously, you know, like you said, Washington state is at a place where, um, you know, finishing 11 and two this past season, um, you know, they're pretty high up there in the pac 12, a lot of respect and they're winning a lot of games. Although I do have to ask, obviously haven't had the best luck in recent years against Washington in the apple cup, which is, you know, frustrating because last, you know, this past season, if they had won that game, they would have been in the pac 12 championship. What do you, why do you think Washington has been able to play so well against Washington state in the past few years? Um, well, I think it's one of those things where, I mean, Peterson is a great coach mm-hmm. and, and I think, you know, Peterson really had coach Peterson really had his guys ready for that game. Um, and then it's one of those things where, like, literally, like the like luck just ne- is never with us in that game. Like, I know my senior year, we would have won that game. Well, in my opinion, we would have won that game <laughs> if you know Luke Falk played. You know, but something mm-hmm. you know happened to Luke, and it's one of those things where the defense had held their offense to six points, but they our offense gave up twenty one points in like turnovers. You know, yeah. Also, it's like. Or then, like last or last year, where it just snows uncontrollably, mm-hmm. and we all know that our our bread and butter is in the air, and there's only so much we can do yeah. with throwing the ball. So it's like one of those things where you know, one one of these years, and I'm hoping it's this year, like everything's <laughs> gonna line up, everything's gonna line up right for it, and we're gonna get that trophy and put it back in our case. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping for it too. If if it all works out, it'd be an awesome game to go to because. We missed out a couple of times. I missed out on being able to go, but this year I'm really trying to be able to catch uh, the Apple Cup because it's one of the most exciting, honestly, one of the most exciting things in Washington, in my opinion, as far as sporting events go. But um, right. as we're as we're coming into the end of your, talking about the end of your career here at Washington State, what was one of your favorite games or favorite moments while you were playing at Washington State? Favorite, favorite uh, game at Washington State with Oregon uh, my senior year. I don't know if you remember, but we were at Oregon in Austin Stadium. It was loud. Uh, we went to overtime with them. Mm-hmm. And um, literally, I remember um, before we had even got there, President Obama was there. Um, something had happened, I think, with a shooting or something like that. But we mm-hmm. had to, like, hover above the airport while Air Force One, you know, leaves the, the airport. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, just playing in that game, I mean, it meant so much to Coach Grinch. Because he said that it was him, Chip Kelly, I think it was New Hampshire, University of New Hampshire, mm-hmm. that came up with the, the term, win the day. And Chip Kelly just ran with it. And, you know, Oregon knows nothing about winning the day and all that <laughs> other stuff. So he said, you know, do this for me. And mm-hmm. uh, we play with a chip on our shoulder. And, you know, Oregon always comes in with tons of hype. And they got all these nice, fancy uniforms mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. So. Yeah. The fact that we can beat them on their home field in the fashion that we did uh, meant a lot to me. And, uh, yeah, that, that was one of my favorite games playing at Washington State. Yeah, and honestly, I think one of the reasons why Washington State is so lovable as a team is because you guys always play with that chip on your shoulder, right? Like you're always Absolutely. that, that um, you know, you're, you're always the underdog, it seems like, in every situation, even if you're favored, you know, but you're always going to work hard and, 
that's what makes the games exciting to watch is because, you know, they may be touted with more talent, but you guys are always going to be working harder than them, which is why, uh, you know, it's so fun to, to go and watch these games, uh, which, is, which is really cool. So transitioning here out of your Washington State career, when were you first? So you mentioned before a little bit earlier about how you were on um, undrafted. When did you first, when were you first approached about being on the show? And um, can you talk to us a little bit about what the show is for the listeners that may not have heard it? Absolutely. So basically undrafted is a show that talks about the journey of a player who has potential to go to the NFL, but probably not the best odds of making it in the NFL. Um, so what happened was the, the, the producer of the show, his name is Michael Gleaton. He uh, reached out to me. And I, I want to say it was also my publicist, Farron, that was in uh, close uh, contact with uh, Michael. They reached out to me and they were like, you know, Jeremiah, like, do you want to be a part of this TV series? And I'm thinking undrafted, like, no, like, I want to be drafted. <laughs> and then he said, <laughs> he said, no, like, it literally just talks about your life and journey leading up to the draft. And um, it allows you to tell your story. And I was asking him, well, if I could tell my story, could I? you know, put my spin on it and inspire people. And he said, that's exactly what it's about. So I'm all about inspiring people. So I just kind of like, okay, like I'll do the show. And um, I mean, it was one, of, it was probably one of the best, one of the best decisions that I made because not only am I um, Emmy nominated and have an IB, what is the IBDM or whatever mm -hmm. it's called, but also I got a chance to inspire people, not just in the country, but in the world. Um, I was running into people while I was in Italy and they were like, man, I watched your show. Like, thank you for, you know, letting us know that, you know, it, you like people are human. And, you know, it's like one of those things where we relate to your story and your story like resonates to like tons of people. So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, that's what it was about. But um, literally it was an amazing experience to be in front of a camera and, to uh, actually tell my story and then actually put a few things on the map that the country may not know about, like, you know, Breakfast Club, um, you know, uh, Pullman as a whole, mm -hmm. um, you know, things like that. So, yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a phenomenal experience. Was it was it awkward at all being in front of the cameras? I mean, obviously, they're they're following you around everywhere. Uh, I mean, was was there any sense of, like, awkwardness in your mind or anyone else around you that was also being filmed? Uh, no, I think the awkwardness always came when, um, I always would do something and they were like, Oh wait, no, we want to do, we want to get that again. Uh, can you do it again? And it's like, uh, it's like, uh, Oh, okay. Now I have to like, now I have to, you know, show my acting st skills. Like mm. for instance, I had knocked on the door with my dad and, uh, they didn't get the, the, the right angle. And they're like, can you do it again? And now my dad has to act and, it's like one of those things where when you know you're being recorded, like mm -hmm. it's a little less genuine, but um, by all means, it was definitely a fun experience. Yeah. Did you ever catch yourself like awkwardly, you know, looking at the camera when you weren't supposed to? Did they, were they on you all at all about that? Oh no, I do it all the time. Like literally whenever <laughs> I ran out of things, when I, whenever I ran out of things to say, I would like look directly in the camera and the guy named Sean Papazi and he was like, Jeremiah, stop looking into the camera. So oh, then I'll just like, yeah, I'll just run up to the camera and just like put my whole face in it. You know? <laughs> oh, oh that, that's funny. That's, see, that's the stuff we, you know, you don't always get to hear about, but that's, that's hilarious. Cause I know, you know, that's obviously a, a big no, no, whenever you're filming stuff, like especially natural, like documentary style things. Um, but talk to me a little bit about the uh, draft process. Like, 
you know, getting involved and getting ready for it. And what did you, what was that like for you? Um, so getting ready for it, um, literally it was one of those things where, um, I actually chose to train in Pullman. Um, and the reason why I chose that is because I wanted to one get, like, I was like a one class away from getting a double major. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, it was, you know, I don't know. I just, I just wanted to do that. Um, I wish like now looking back on it, um, I wish I would have trained at a facility because the knock on me was my 40 time. Okay. Um, but at the end of the day, I think everything happens for a reason. So, um, literally like it was, it was pretty good. Like, I mean, I, I, I stuck with a, a strong regiment as I was, you know, preparing for the draft. Um, I did the, the, the regional combine in Minneapolis, um, performed pretty good there. Um, but it's one of those things where with the NFL, you got to have the right amount of luck and uh, your position has to be needed. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. That's true. Uh, so let's let's back up just a little bit here. You said you got you graduated with a double major. What were those two yes. majors in um, first off? And then second off, what was that like being able to, you know, like you said, go and go play football for your college career, but also get two degrees out of it? Um, so. It was um, actually criminal justice and political science were my uh, double majors. Um, I was going to get the con law, I mean, uh, communications under uh, minor. Mm -hmm. However, um, I mean, that was literally, that's one of the, the main things I had went to Washington State for. Of course, it was a win football game and then enjoy my time as a football player. But playing, I mean, uh, receiving a degree, I was the first person in my family to go to college the first person in my family to you know actually earn a degree so awesome. with that being with that being said I, I knew I had to be a trailblazer for the for the ones who came after me mm -hmm. okay so going into uh you know the NFL draft obviously you went undrafted which is which was disappointing how long how long was it before uh you got the call for Italy because you ended up playing football in Italy but what was that span right. like? What was that like for you? Obviously, going undrafted, um, and then the space in between before you went to go play football for Italy. Well, it's one of those things where it was always one of those things where my agent was saying, "Oh, like okay, the Texans they want you, you know, like let's go work out with the Texans." Mm. And then you know I was on the, the Raiders short list and so on and so forth. So the Raiders was in the mix, and then the Cardinals came along, and I'm like, okay, like am I just gonna get on a team? Like what's gonna go on? But <laughs> mm -hmm. as the as the time as the as the time going, one thing that people are not telling like you're not getting paid for workouts, you're not getting paid for these calls. So mm -hmm. you have to do something in the meantime to make sure you stay afloat. So I actually worked at a car dealership for that time span where I, my my football uh, future was in in limbo, mm -hmm. and I was in Renton at uh, Brotherton Cadillac. Who uh, Brad Brotherton? He's actually a uh, cool as well. Mm -hmm. And then after that, after that year had went by, I began working at the Washington State Senate uh, in Olympia for okay. Mike Baumgartner, who who's the uh, he was a senator uh, in the in Spokane district. Okay. And basically, it's one of those things where he said, "I want you to see how sausage is made," which is like the law, pretty much. And mm -hmm. I worked there. I worked on a bill called "Ban the Box." And then next thing you know, two months later, I got a call from Coach Oak, who coached at Nevada. And he said, Jeremiah, you told me no in college. You can't tell me no again. So I need you <laughs> on the plane. 
I need you on a plane heading over to, to, to play um, here at, for, for our team. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so before we get into your time in Italy, I just want to back up just a little bit. So first things first, uh, I, was, I was reading up on a couple articles about you, you know, getting ready for this podcast, and uh, you didn't say exactly how many cars you sold in that seventh month, seven month period that you sold cars, but I feel like mm-hmm. now is the right time where you tell us exactly how many cars you did sell. Cause I, you know, I think the, the everyone's, you know, everyone who read that article, you know, you kind of created a sense of, of, of wonder. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so do you mind, do you mind giving us at least a rough estimate of how many cars oh, yeah, you did so, sell? I sold 45 cars. <laughs> 45 cars. Okay. 45 cars. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's good. That's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, being a car salesman when I was a little kid was kind of like one of those big dreams of mine. Cause you know, it seems mm-hmm. like, it seems like such a cool job, but I mean, that, that's awesome. Honestly, you know, being able to work there. And then, like you said, working, uh, as an aide for, for Senator Bumgarner, let's talk about that a little bit. So what was, what was that experience for you? Like, because obviously now at this point you're in law school, um, what was that like for you being able to interact and like you said, see how the sausage is made? Uh, well, it was really interesting cause you got a chance to see how, you know, bills are passed through the house and the Senate. And then mm-hmm. you got a chance to interact with constituents and listen to them voice their opinion on, why they feel the law should change. Um, also, you got a chance to do research on your own. So the bill I worked on was called Ban the Box. Okay. And and basically, Senator Baumgartner, he was saying, Jeremiah, why should I endorse this bill? And I got to research it, weigh the pros and cons, and I informed him why this was a good bill to endorse. And it's typically, that bill is typically a, Democratic bill. Mm-hmm. However, um, you know, Mike, Senator Baumgartner is a Republican. So basically, um, he's like, you know what, Jeremiah, like, I want um, to endorse his bill. And he actually endorsed it and became a law in the state of Washington. That's awesome. That, that's really cool. So what was what would you say is one of the most important things that you picked up um, in that time working for, for Senator Baumgartner? Um, basically just, you know, how to, to research hard work and then also how to mingle, uh, with individuals, uh, in, in different places. Um, that's very uh, important to my profession now. So it, it, it exposed me early to what, how to, how to go about doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so now, so now you're in Italy here, you're playing football. Um, well, first off, have you ever been, had you ever traveled overseas, been to Europe, um, and, you know, was this a big culture shock for you? Obviously, first off, and then um, how did how was it different from playing in college? Um, well, um, it was I had never been out of the country before, so it was definitely a, a different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but by far, one of the best experiences that I've ever had a chance to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, I got over there, and everything was you know new and. I got a chance to immerse myself in the culture, um, and then football over there. There's some good. There's some good ballers over there, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's only three Americans to a team, and um, yeah, I mean it's one of those things where the, the rules are the same. Um, the the hierarchy for sports over there is different. Soccer's first, basketball, then American football. Gotcha. But nevertheless, like they actually enjoy their 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 football players over there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you spent um, how many how many years was it? Did you spend in Italy playing football? Uh, I only did only did I was only over there for three and a half months. Oh, you're only, oh okay, so it was just the the one season then. Yes. Okay, gotcha. And then you made it all the way to the championship game. Is that right? In in Italy? Yes. Uh, yeah. What what was that like? 
playing um, in in Italy, playing in the championship game, and how does that compare to like say playing in the Sun Bowl? Uh, oh, um, well, the reason why it was they both have their high level of uh, I guess their high level of position. Um, mm-hmm. It was fun playing in the one in Italy because you actually play for an entire country. We play we played against a team in France, so literally that whole national rhythm thing was real. Gotcha. Um, the, the Sun Bowl was, you know, high up there on my chart because we played against, you know, Miami, like DU. So to beat them was amazing as well. Mm-hmm. After that, um, what kind of brought you back over here? What what determined that you would go into law school? Like, what did you just say, you know what, I'm ready to, to move past this stage in my life of football? Or, or what was that like? Well, I always knew law school was plan a uh playing mm-hmm. football in the nfl was just a dream that i had since i was seven so i knew that i was going to be a lawyer um so what happened was i actually was part of this program called cleo which was hosted here at, at, at mitchell hamlin where i am in law school now okay and i excelled in that program i was set to go to idaho for law school however uh, the dean and a professor here by the name of rick petrie and dean gordon they're like, well, we really want you to come here. So they're like, if we beat Idaho's offer, would you come here? So I ended up applying July 29th. I got in August 2nd, and, you know, the rest is history. Gotcha. Okay, so you are now in about to start your third year um, yes. in law school. You're going to graduate in December, and then you're going to walk in May. So talk to me about how law school differs from, say, preparing for an opposing team's offense. Well, the thing about law school, there's no right answer. Um, So you have to be ready for literally everything. Um, As I was telling you with Stanford, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get, you know, eye formation, and they're going to run right at you. But law school, you can study your answer, but then you have to be aware for, you have to be aware of uh, the other person's answer as well. Okay. Um, I guess another thing is, preparing for I don't know I, I would rather to I would rather reading books opposed to preparing for two a day in, in camp in Lewiston anytime because mm-hmm. um, I mean it's one of those things where I mean reading books come natural um, and then learning how to read is another thing whereas in camp in Lewiston you got to give up everything like you literally are in the middle of no, nowhere mm-hmm. with your, your brothers so I think it's one of those things where each one of them had their perks. Okay. All right. So answer this question here for me as we wind down here on the podcast. Ten years from now, Jeremiah Allison will be blank. Uh, Jer- ten years from now, Jeremiah Allison will be an attorney. Um, and he will be a individual who has a foundation that continues to inspire um, millions. Awesome. I love it. So we have come here to the end of the podcast. Jeremiah, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a really awesome conversation, being able to talk, um, you know, cougars and inspiring others. So thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, you can check out episodes of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, really wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Go Cougs.